Hello, friend. Ding, ding, ding. That one works. <laughs> You're Hello. my friend who I podcast with. I mean, this is true, but that's not the full breadth of our friendship, Ollie. Jesus. It's true. It's just in this moment, the most important aspect of our friendship. It is true. <laughs> is that we will podcast together. We will drink and we will read young adult books from our childhoods. We will read young adult books and just slowly sort of realize that, you know what? I'm too old for this. Too old for this shit. Uh, and then, like, so more importantly, perhaps, sorry, just opening my drink. Uh-huh, uh-huh. More importantly is that not only will we drink together and then read books together, mm-hmm. we will then spend several hours each talking while drinking about these books. Yep. That is the premise. Of this podcast that you're currently mm-hmm. listening to. Back Hello. with some chill, everybody. Welcome. Hello, I'm Ollie. I'm from near Philadelphia. I'm Sina from Ohio. Today we are chatting about Demon in My View, the second book in the Den of Shadows series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in honor of this book, what are we drinking? Ooh, well, for me, I'm drinking Duclaw Brewing's Dirty Little Freak. It is a chocolatey kind of beer. Mm. Uh, it is a magnificent, I'm sorry, a dominant blend of roasted malt, coconut, caramel, and chocolate essence. Barely restrained by a gentle hop bite that tantalizes your senses all the way through to a satisfying finish. That sounds Submit sexy. to indulgence, but be warned, there is no safe word. Oh, it is supposed to sound sexy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's meant to be. And uh, it is a really, like, it's a really nice chocolatey beer. I've had it uh, several times before now. I picked it up a while ago thinking... If that's terrible, I don't want to drink it during a podcast. <laughs> that's and, fair. And I picked it up and it was it was really good. I can drink it. It's very smooth. The colors also match this book. So mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I was going to save it for the fourth book, thinking Dirty Little Freak. And the fourth one's a little kinky. <laughs> um, but this just works really well. Like, I think Dirty Little Freak and the way that Jessica, the main character arguably one of the main characters mm-hmm. um feels about herself and feels the world thinks about herself and then the fact that it fucking perfectly matches the cover like that mm-hmm. it's all good yeah that sounds good i don't know how i feel about chocolate beer but i would definitely try it yeah oh yeah i was surprised and i really like it <laughs> what are you drinking uh so i went a little more literal and i found a mixed drink with uh demon in the name i almost forgot the word that i googled i've been drinking for a while um (laughs) it's called so much yeah no i'm almost at the bottom of my first glass um (laughs) it's called a green demon uh it is vodka white Mm -hmm. rum and midori and then uh, a bunch of lemonade Mm-hmm. It is very good. I had one glass last night as I was trying to GM, and I got bombed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, Demon in My View. This book was originally published in, looks like it says May 9th, 2000, by Delacourt Press. That's a subdivision at the time of Random House, which is now Penguin Random House. So I read from the hardcover. It's 176 pages. It's got like this nice little dust cover. Oh, yours has a dust cover? Mine doesn't. Yeah, because it's like second edition. Mm, I don't know what mine is. I think mine might be second edition too. Oh, you know what? I might have just pulled the cover off it because it has the cover printed on it. And yeah, and that was what I was going to comment on is that 
this is good because it's not like, oh, and I take the cover off and there's nothing underneath. There's still the cover again. Like, it looks fine without it. It's a really quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very quality. Quality book. Uh, same same settings as the last one, Cochin. I did want to make a comment about Cochin. I googled it, and Cochin has existed since, like, the 1800s. Shit, then what the fuck was it that was made specifically for her? There was something... It might be the cover font. Like, the Maybe. demon in my view part, or the in the forest of the night part. That was probably what it mm. was. But yeah, Cochin is, is, has been around for a real long time, so, uh, amending that... <laughs> But still, Cochin, super good. Oh, also addendums to our last podcast. Yes. Uh, Tora means tiger in Japanese. <laughs> yes. Really? Did you just fucking name the tiger tiger? You did. Like, I, I remember that being a thing, and then I couldn't remember how, and then I was like, oh yeah, it's Japanese. <laughs> Had I mentioned last time that, like, her name means risk in German? Does it? Yeah, and one of my, like, German friends was just like, it was always strange when she was like, my name is Rasika, and I do not know what it means. Because, like, it's just her saying, my name is Risk, and I don't know what it means. That must be terrible for German readers. Yeah, because it was translated into German, so. Wow. (laughs) Good times. So this is our first book cover by Cliff Nielsen for uh, Amelia Winter Rhodes. It is, and it is maybe my favorite. It's yeah. beautiful. It, it is easily my favorite of the first books. It's very good looking. It has, you know, this guy in the center who kind of looks like David Boreanaz of Angel fame. <laughs> and it's black, and it's this kind of dark but vibrant backlit purple He's got this black rose in his hands, which never fucking shows up in the book, but whatever. Yeah, it does. He doesn't have a black rose. He doesn't have a literal black rose, but there are black roses. True. But like in the cover here, it looks like he's holding it the way he did within the forest of the night. I guess. I took it as more symbolic. That's fine. Symbolic is fine. I just wanted him to give her the black rose. Uh, He's got friggin' Fenris on one wrist. He's got this snake on the other wrist. Like there's a lot of detail. I super appreciate that detail of, of like, putting his tattoos on there. Mm-hmm. I think they look, you know, pretty good for yeah. Cliff Nielsen's style where it doesn't have to look super realistic. Yeah, because, like, the Fenris on here looks really etched, but, like, that's still kind of cool. And for the first time in my life, I'm noticing that his name is right there next to uh, Aubrey is the character. Next to his head, there's, if you look really close, yeah, I'd never seen that before. Me either. Nice. And then, like, it kind of looks like a forest is imprinted on the background and things like that. It's much better than the re-release cover, or the re-release covers, plural, Mm -hmm. which are uniformly terrible Mm -hmm. and boring. Do not get those covers if you can avoid them. They are terrible. Don't do it. Go for the fancy ones. Yeah, the early editions, because they're worth it. Yep, because the second release, the only other release, is just, like, Jessica's eye... Which is green and then blackness. And there's like two fucking blops of, I guess, blood coming out of the inner corner eye and says the name across the top. And it just looks like something I would have made as like a fucking placeholder when I was like 15. It's super basic. And even the quartet cover with the the girl exploding into feathers, like that's fine on its own. It's still not as good as this. It's real bad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that is a bummer after the shapeshifters shit yeah. just went downhill man yep all right so i'm gonna read the summary here well i guess it's the blurb 
Jessica isn't your average teenager, though nobody at her high school knows it, she's a published author. Her vampire novel, Tiger Tiger, has just come out under the pen name Ash Knight. Jessica often wishes she felt as comfortable with her classmates as she does among the vampires and witches of her fiction. She has always been treated as an outsider at Ramza High. But two new students have just arrived in Ramza, and both want Jessica's attention. She has no patience with overly friendly Karen, but she's instantly drawn to handsome Alex, a cocky, mysterious boy who seems surprisingly familiar. If she didn't know better, she'd think Aubrey, the alluring villain from Tiger Tiger, had just sprung to life. That's impossible, (laughs) of course. Aubrey is a figment of her imagination. Or is he... Mm. Nail-bitingly suspenseful, here is the deliciously eerie follow-up to In the Forest of the Night by the remarkable 15-year-old novelist Amelia Atwater Rhodes. Man, I have not heard that blurb in a really long time, so it's kind of wild hearing the book summarized like that. I know, it's kind of really, like, focusing on the wrong parts, sort of, but also... But also... better than the book does? What else is there? (laughs) I know. (sighs) so that's the blurb you want to read our prologue i do the night is full of mystery even when the moon is brightest secrets hide everywhere then the sun rises and its rays cast so many shadows that the day creates more illusion than all the veiled truth of the night Mm, so deep (laughs) i have lived in this illusion for much of my life but i have never belonged to it Before my birth, I existed for too long in the realm between nothingness and life, and even now the night still whispers to me. A strong cord binds me to the dark side of the world and shields me from the light. I feel like the only reason there is a prologue is because the last book had a prologue. Right, and like the prologue's in first person and... The book is not. It's really out of place. Yeah, I don't like this prologue. It's kind of a microcosm of the problems with the whole book, which is to say that it is super dramatic. It takes itself really (laughs) seriously. And that teenage girl writing those things does Mm -hmm. not sound like a teenage girl, which is super weird because a teenage girl wrote this book. Right? So, like, this book was published in 2000, which means that, like, she was 16 when it was published. So she was, like, Mm -hmm. 14, 15 when she wrote it. How does it sound like this? I don't know. Okay, so, like, that's one of my first notes. Yes. Jessica and Karen, both of whom are supposed to be teenage girls in, what is this, 2001? I mean, the book came out in 2000, so let's just assume the year 2000. Yeah, so presumably in the year 2000. Do not sound like any teenagers that have ever walked the earth. They sound like a 40-year-old author not even trying to sound like a teenager. Hello, fellow teenagers. It's not even that. It's just like all of the teenagers are super duper goth and they just all try to sound like Byronic poets or something. The black oblivion of sleep. Yeah, it's... So this is a problem that we're going to continue to run into and that you can almost kind of excuse for this book, right? Because, like, Karen is a witch, and I mean, I guess the witches probably aren't as removed from society as a lot of them sound. Yeah. But, like, okay, whatever. You, you're you a witch. You're into witch things. Maybe that'll change you're your speech patterns things. a little bit. I don't know. Whatever. Jessica, she's steeped in years of vampire history. Mm. She writes this dialogue all the time. Yes. She thinks... Thinks 
and dreams in this dialogue. Like, okay, I can take another step and say that maybe this has sort of bled into her speech patterns. But we're going to get to a point where that excuse is not valid for anybody and the same problem applies. Because everybody's dialogue just sounds the same. Yes. The voice does not change from person to person. Speech patterns don't change. And it's a problem that's going to plague this series right up until 2016. Yeah. Like, it was weird reading this book and feeling like the first one was more mature. I know. That's so... Like, I expected to go back and read In the Forest of the Night and be like, oh, this is so cute. But like, no, I really didn't feel that with Razika. And maybe that's because her voice is supposed to be like old and kind of dramatic and stuff. Right, like we buy the 40-year-old. Right. But with this, it feels so much more immature, especially in its main character. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but like, damn. Yeah, and and Aubrey's voice in uh, in the Forest of the Night was very different. Now, granted, it wasn't from his perspective or anything like that, but even just his external dialogue that Rasika heard. Mm-hmm. His external dialogue in this book is different from his internal like monologue. Like the Aubrey yeah. who speaks and the Aubrey who thinks feel like two completely different people to me. Oh, same same with Jessica. Like, she'll be inside super scared, and on the outside, she'll be like, what the fuck do you want? Uh, I'm so cool, and I'm not backing down. My pride will <sighs> Okay, so I'm now 30. Uh, I know, right? We keep saying 40-year-old boy. It's like, <laughs> uh, actually, what we mean is a 40-year-old in the year 1999. <laughs> right. Um. So, like, I'm I'm 30. This book is super-duper not for me in intent or execution. When I was yeah. the age that this was aimed at, I fucking loved it. You ate this shit with a spoon. I did. It works. All of the things that I find terrible now, I loved back then. So, like, listen, I know this is not for me. I understand that. I did love it in its time. But as an adult, this book is fucking terrible. (laughs) It's really bad. On Wikipedia, which apparently this book had a Wikipedia page, I I was just looking through, trying to find, like, any information on the book that might be useful to, like, you know, be like, oh, this is how it was received, Mm -hmm. etc. This is what the author, you know, chatted about. There was this one citation from a review from The New Yorker. Mm Mm-hmm. That just made me go, oh, ow. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, like, preemptively sad for the 16-year-old author. (laughs) What did it say? because, so, it says, you know, Amelia has an uncanny understanding of the kind of narrative that makes for a successful pot boiler. And I'm like, pot boiler? That's an interesting word. What do they mean by that? Mm -hmm. They mean like, ooh, it's going to overflow and it's it's very tense. Right. So I clicked on the word pot boiler, which I had never heard before. Mm -hmm. Uh, A pot boiler is a piece of media, so in this case a novel, of dubious literary or artistic merit whose main purpose was to pay for the creator's daily expenses, thus (laughs) the imagery of boil the pot, which means to provide one's livelihood. Authors who create such work are sometimes called hack writers or oh, hacks. That's sad. And I'm like, the New Yorker just called this 16-year-old yeah. a hack. That's super mean. Listen. You're so good at being a hack. Good oh job. Oh my god. I'm like mad now. Like, I just called this book terrible and I'm like, you listen. This is for teenage girls. You don't get it, you four-year-old piece of shit. Right? You didn't call her a hack. Right? Like, teenage girls loved this. Right? Get out of here. Go read your James Patterson. 
<laughs> no, I'm sure they call James Patterson a hack, too. That's true. Poo-pooing literature by and for teenagers. Way to go, 20-year-old New York Times review. You've turned me into a stan. Thanks. <laughs> But like that's just it's just this no. isn't you're a hack. Like <laughs> stuff for kids. It's fine. Yeah. Like honestly, I feel like that writer should or that reviewer was just not. Nope. You're not the one that we needed to review no. this thing. Like, Why are you reviewing this in the first place? Probably for the novelty value, right? Sixteen year old. Yeah. Author? Well, because like there was a lot of push marketing wise in the first one, and then the second one was even bigger. Like after the first one was a pretty okay success, the second one was enormous as far as like was the marketing went oh yeah she was on all kinds of stuff and that continued right through the second one so all that to say we are probably gonna rip this book apart <laughs> but we understand why we it understand that this did its, its job it did a great job it was really well received by the audience it was intended for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we are adults <laughs> we are adults reading books by and for 15 year olds by and for 15 year olds <laughs> That were read when we were both teenagers. Yes. So this is a nostalgia trip to be like, okay, what didn't we see? And what do we see now? And like, I've got some complaints that I've had from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But my, my complaints are all new. <laughs> my complaints are all new. That's good. I, I have new complaints. I was not sure I would. But I do. And some of the stuff that I previously complained about, man, whatever. I don't even care about that. <laughs> oh, so. God. Okay. <sighs> All right, so the basic plot uh, we should probably just mention is, yeah, Jessica writes books and she has one published and there's another one, like, sitting on her editor's desk. Two new kids show up. Ooh, it turns out they're a witch and a vampire. Oh, no, people <laughs> are trying to hunt her down and kill her. And in the end, I mean, spoilers, obviously. In the end, somehow, some way, she has turned into a vampire at the end. That's the story. Can I just say real quick that I have mentally filed Karen away as just not Aubrey? So when you said yeah. two new students, I was like, two? Where they, Fala doesn't go to school. Who the fuck are they? Oh yeah, Karen. Karen is new. <laughs> like, just read this book last night. <laughs> I know, I know. I just finished this book this morning and I was like, who the fuck else is new? Who is Karen? <laughs> what is Karen there? With a Y. Of course. <sighs> These names. That, too, is going to be an ongoing issue. Ongoing issue. All right. So. So. This book, Jessica, is a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) Holy crap. I fucking hate every minute that she's alive and every minute that she's undead. She's awful. She's She's the worst. And I hate that she's this terrible because I really wish she wasn't. I want to like her. I want her to be a good protagonist. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Spoilers. I don't give a shit that she's got the fucking blood of the first fucking vampire <laughs> coursing through her mortal veins. I don't give a shit. I want her to not be a total fucking asshole. Listen, I am here for bitches. I'm so here. I love bitches. Okay. I know you do. <laughs> I love them. I will protect and die for a lot of bitches. Jessica is terrible. Jessica she's has just... no redeeming qualities at right? all. Because like she's so inconsistent about it, and like it would be great if she was just a bitch who like embraced it and was like, whatever, I'm this way. She'd have friends. It wouldn't fucking matter. She'd be <laughs> friends with all the goddamn goth chicks. But no, inside she's like, why don't people like me? Let me look in the mirror. God, no, I'm super fucking perfect. What's up, bitches? The problem is the superiority. Like, yeah. 
That's a big problem. Like, I understand that everybody at Jessica School treats her like shit. Like, I get it. I would not like them either. It's rough. But, but that... she's like, I'm better than all of these fucking peons. Yup, yup. And then also... I'm a fucking published author. They don't even know. If they knew, they'd, like, want to hang out with me. And I would just be like, no. My, my, and my enemy who crosses himself every time he sees me is holding my vampire book. <laughs> if only mm. he knew. If only he knew that I'd be getting his getting royalties from that soon. Like, that's a literal fucking line. Yeah, yep. She does say that. Mm. But listen, it's a real problem that she's a piece of shit to her mom. I know, right? Because, like, she's been... We don't have a really good timeline. Um, So Jessica's adopted, BT-dubs. So Anne Aladola, which is also another fake last name, <laughs> um, has adopted Jessica. I don't know when, but she calls her fucking Anne. At no point does she call her mom. Well, so they say that Jaslyn gives her up at birth. Right, which means, did she go through the system? Did Anne adopt you when you were 10? Like... You moved to Ramza five years ago because you said you were 12 when you moved here. Jessica says nothing about ever being in the system. My assumption here is that Anne adopted her at birth and Jessica still calls her Anne, still pulls the you're not my mom shit. Like, you little piece of shit. Like, you can really tell that the author has no fucking clue what it means to be adopted. Agreed. And that anything, like, being an asshole on Jessica's part is just because she's got fucking vampire blood. Like, no, I need you to be nicer to your fucking mom. I mean, it's that and then it's this I'm a badass teenage rebellion stuff. Maybe if she had been like, hey, you know, I miss when you called me mom. Oh, you're going through teenage rebellion stuff. I get it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll stay out of your way. The like anything, any kind of relationship in this book is to show nothing. There's nothing. There's no depth to anything. And Anne's a single mom. She doesn't have a. She doesn't have like a husband or a wife. Like yeah, no. The way that Jessica treats Anne is really bad. The one scene that Anne has where Anne also kind of says some really shitty like adopted mom stuff. Well, I'm the only mother you have. Yeah, like, that's not how that works. That's not how this works. At all. That's how, like, an evil foster parent works in, like, a movie from 1992. Like, if she was her stepmom and, like, her dad had died and she didn't know that she was adopted. Like, but the fact that she comes in knowing she's fucking adopted, Mm -hmm. acting like she's been adopted since she was 12, but it's like, well, what about the rest of your fucking life? Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's her attitude does not line up. Yeah, and I can only really accept the, well, it's because she's got the first vampire's blood, meh, as an excuse for so much. She would have turned her back over. Like, maybe Anne, like, you can't be like, Anne is both an asshole and a fucking saint. Oh, no. Well, yeah, no, because later on, you know, spoilers, her mom's going to die, and Jessica's going to be sad about it for about five minutes five seconds and like so if i was Anne, right Mm -hmm. um as as Anne is portrayed and you adopt this kid presumably from birth because there's no proof that jessica was in the system nope why did i keep this fucking kid she's (laughs) why didn't i return her how did i end up with this kid if this kid has everybody being like oh i want to push you know oh we don't want you we don't like you we push you away we reject you humanity rejects Mm. you sadly like she should have gone through the system and not had a good experience in the system which again is pretty crappy because that's not the way of it like it's not mm-hmm. always terrible 
but Jessica's backstory would be a lot more understandable if it was like, she adopted me when I was 12, she really wanted, like, a problem kid, she couldn't handle me, Mm -hmm. you know, she's a single mom, maybe I'll try, but every time I try, I just fuck it up. You mean if there was depth? Is what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> if there yes. was any, any depth at all, instead of just like... Look, that's what we talk about. We talk about adding depth to these things all the time. <laughs> I'm just saying that most of the things that happen in the plot, most of the relationships that happen in this plot are like a bullet point in an outline that just say, this thing exists. That's as By deep the as way, they go. Anne was my adopted mother and I didn't like her. Right. On. Like, bullet point, Jessica is adopted. She's a rebellious child. Bullet point, Jessica and Aubrey fall in love. Bullet point, yeah. Bullet point, Anne dies. There's so much telling and, and no showing. Like, I wrote so many notes about why are you telling me this? This isn't, this is a f- emotional scene and why am I not getting this scene? Yeah, and I mean, there are a lot of digressions, which, like, uh, we don't have to talk about now, but, like... We will get to it. Yeah, so, yeah, Jessica's a jerk. She's a fucking jerk. This relationship is not well portrayed. This is just, I am writing a snarky, rebellious protagonist, and this is how... Like snarky is what's slapped on her as a label. It is. Character snarky. What do you guess be snarky? Yeah, that's how she reacts to everything. So, like, this is just how does snarky, rebellious character interact with adopted mother? Calls her by first name, says you're not my mom. I'm not gonna think about how fucking emotionally traumatizing both of those things are. This is just mm-hmm. how she behaves, and that is Jessica's interaction with everybody yep god i hate her she's really fast as you said you like bitches but there's nothing here there's nothing to like yep so she goes to school and there's the senior and she's like hey 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 he's holding my book which literally just came out the week before it's her first book and the publisher like she's like please don't give out my real name or address which is that's that's fine but it means that as a writer she's not doing anything and yet somehow it's a huge success yeah it's a huge success if you're a teenager who's written a book and you're going out on the the circuit to promote it it and sign shit Uh right like how is your book a huge success to nothing (laughs) it just is that's just how books you write a book it it becomes popular book book published book popular everybody (laughs) has book yes good okay so she goes to school oh this all right so this this here got me mad all right, so Jessica's talking about how she came up with the idea for Tiger Tiger several years before when she and Anne had been visiting one of Anne's old college friends in Concord, Massachusetts. She'd spent the nearly entire weekend vacation locked in her room, and those hours of work finally paid off. Like, let's work this backwards. You only spent a couple hours on this book? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, she uh, had only been there for a weekend. The way that Rasika talked mm, about her, ah, mm-hmm. Jessica, Conquered's young Resident writer. writer. Right? Like, why did you say it that way? Why didn't you say, oh, Jessica moved from Concord to Ramza five years ago? Okay. So, that is one of several continuity errors in this book. Yeah. There's just uh, Razika referring to her as a resident writer when Jessica has lived in Ramza for at least five years, which means that in the Forest of the Night... Which only took place a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. So I was going to say it either took place five years ago, but that is not true. Mm -mm. The other thing is Kala, Aubrey's blood sister, aka a person who was made by the same vampire as him. Gets killed in the course of this book, I guess. But she had also died in, in the Forest of the Night. 
which took place several years before. Yeah. So, like, I remember that being a thing on the forum where people would be like, you know, you said this in The Forest of the Night, and you said this, and and it was, like, in her FAQ. Like, literally the second book. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I just fucked up. (laughs) That's pretty big considering when I was looking through this, being like, why did you mention Kala got killed and yet it is nothing like usually when a hunter has killed someone especially from aubrey's line Mm -hmm. it's a big fucking deal fala sort of whips it out to be like hey this author got your blood sister killed but then aubrey's like yeah jessica had nothing to do with that so i'm like okay did jessica make this a problem or not right it's like what's up because you guys are notoriously like Rage face! Somebody killed my fellow vampire! Uh, Blood hunt for life! Kill all (laughs) your family ever! So they should be on, hey, Dominique killed Kala. Let's go kill her and her her fucking daughters and everybody else related to them. Let's go. But instead, it's just kind of like, oh, well, but Kala was, I don't know, not important, so... Yeah, I mean, Fala uses it to try and rile Aubrey up, and he's just like, whatever. she literally just got killed within the past fucking week. Yeah. Well, it's it's just such a non thing. It shouldn't have been a thing at all. It should have just been like, hey, so and so got killed from another line. It doesn't matter. Did you realize like literally it just happened yesterday? Because well, so they're trying to make they're trying to explain why Jessica existing is a problem. Because <laughs> and no, I totally like that would be a problem. I absolutely understand. Hey. You can. You've now pointed the fucking vampires, uh, the vampire hunters, to our secret city. Yeah, that's a problem. But like, they kind of make that clear later when Dominique actually rolls into New Mayhem just in person. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally. But I think that sh- it should have been more like you know, hey, she she's been hunting in Ramza and she found random vampire number ten, and him being like, I don't care about that person. I'm not related to them. So fuck off. <laughs> So, also, minor gripe here. We're going with names real quick before we move out of that chapter. Her fucking teacher's name is Kate Catherine. Why? 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 Just so Jessica can make a snarky joke. Right? And, like, we don't need this. Nobody cares. You just say, oh, you know, the homeroom teacher was a woman she hadn't seen before. Her name was Mrs. Catherine. Right, and it feels like something where that character is going to be relevant at some point, but it's not. And also, like... I kept thinking it would be when I first read it that it was like some assumed fucking name and being like, you're real bad at this. (laughs) Right? You're super bad at this. So I feel like that sort of thing, considering that it comes to nothing, is the sort of thing where you think, ha 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 ha, Kate Catherine is a dumb name. And then you just decide to put that in your book. Yeah. As like, I thought of a clever joke once. Here it is. Right? Or being like, oh, I ever met someone named, because I knew a kid named John Johnson III. Right. And it's like, I feel bad for you, buddy, but, like, I don't need to put that in a book. No, and it's it's just unnecessary and silly. Totally. Alrighty. Uh, So my question is, if Aubrey is trying to not be noticed by her... Why does he wear the pendant that she'll definitely recognize as Aubrey's when he's Alex, but wears a fucking spiked dog collar when he's just Aubrey? Okay, listen, is Aubrey trying to not be noticed by her? Because should, I, That is the question. But I feel like she should. it should have been reversed. Alex Remington should have had a fucking spiked dog collar on in school. And then put the fucking pendant on and her being like, well, fuck, you're definitely Aubrey now. As opposed to him being like, hey, hey, do do you recognize me? Do you notice me? (laughs) Spike dog collars are against dress code. I guess. 
but not in the 90s. But not upside down crosses. But yeah, he's totally just like, there's this part of it where it's kind of like, oh, they're trying, he's trying to, you know, learn about her and shit, but he's also trying to not be noticed. But he's also just being like, hey. He's just being Aubrey. (laughs) You know all about me, don't you? Yeah, I was surprised by how quickly Aubrey dispenses with the bullshit. Like, he meets her as Alex once, and that's it. After that, he's just, like, dropping hints left and right. Like, he does not care to maintain the illusion at all. Right? Like, everything he says is just, how'd you get up here? I flew. That's the truth. The second time she meets him in the bookstore, he just dispenses with it. He's like, yeah, I know her mom. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> we know each other. Oh yeah, this lady totally, we got in a fight and then she gave me a signed copy of her book. It happens. I have to admit, I enjoyed how few fucks Aubrey gave about maintaining no his roots. Fucks. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I appreciate that Aubrey is just Aubrey. Oh, on the subject of the bookstore, one of my favorite dumb things that happens is um, Hosanna catches Jessica in the bookstore looking at her book. Yes. And she's like, hey, you can take that if you want. After all, you're the author. That's not how it works. And I'm just like, lady, you are the manager of this place. You can't just give away books. Right? Oh, well, uh, you know, Stephen King walked in, so I just let him leave with his entire section, I guess. Right? That's not how any of this works. You don't own this store. Your backstory made that very clear. Yeah, you just just work here. Are you gonna pay for that yourself, Asana? Right? Are you gonna have to, like, write up some sort of claim slip for that later? You're just giving away books. You're creating more paperwork for yourself. And if it's, like, a brand new and supposedly successful book, like, whoa, hey, that's a sale that will happen in, like, an hour. Right? Also, Jessica doesn't need it. You know she's the author. You know she has comp copies. Right? Instead, it would have been much more interesting for her to be like, oh, were you here to sign those? And have her be like, what? Yeah. Well, you're the author, right? Are, Are you here to sign them I can there's more copies in the back like that would have been a more interesting and valid <laughs> interaction I also love the idea that Hazan is like really into her hustle where she's like we signed those we can sell them for more we can sell them more quickly <laughs> I can slap a cool sticker on it those that shit gonna sell real fast <laughs> like Hazana and Karen are literally just here to keep an eye on Jessica and that's all their cover is there for but Hazana has really gotten into character as bookstore manager lady and she wants to make those sales so what's my motivation you want to sell books okay so the author's here should i get her to sign the books i guess so but doesn't she use a pen name it's cool it's cool i'll tell her i recognize her (laughs) meanwhile dominique is in the background like that's not what you're here for she doesn't even have an author cover photo hosanna just get her away from the vampire what are you doing right oh my god oh i wanted to mention so something that's always struck me as strange first off um Hi, I'm Karen Rashida. Like, Karen, no one does that. No one says, hi, no. I'm first name, last name. Like, nope. you just go, hey, I'm Karen. But, you know, she has to stumble over her own last name. Like, you're real bad at this fucking game, you guys. Like, you're all like, oh, we're fancy witches and shit. But, like, none of you are actually good at your jobs. <laughs> no, you're not good at pretending to be humans, that's for sure. Uh, secondly, the first name Hassana and the last name Rashida, these are both Arabic names, mm-hmm. and yet somehow the smokes are blonde-haired, blue-eyed witches. Most of the protagonists of these books are whitey McWhite whites, and that becomes a problem when you start beating on the Egyptian girl. Oh, I'm so glad we had the same note. <laughs>
but yeah, so like usually in, in, in these books, we only really get told that someone is a person of color when like... When their exotic background dictates it. Yeah. And so like, I know a lot of fans will read into other books like, oh, I imagine this this person as a person of color. And it's like, that's fine. That is good. Please do that. You know, it's the only way to make sure that there's more people of color in these books. But because looking at, at like the last one where the only person who was mentioned as, as people of color were uh, Jaeger and Fala because they specifically had their like their skin tones mentioned, to read into any of these stories that, oh, I just thought this person was like light-skinned, meaning light-skinned compared to, you know, they are a person of color. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the author will tell you. No, she will. She will color. super duper tell you that this person is from ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt. And oh man, she's mentioning her the mythology of her people. I feel like most of them come from Egypt, too, because that's like, that's a cool place, right? Right? Like, isn't isn't Jaeger from there, too? I don't remember. With I his mean, his name German is Jaeger. <sighs> so, yeah, that made me mad to be like, your name is Arabic. You're not Arabic. Right. And it's just that sort of thing where, like, you're very young and you're like, I like this name. It's pretty. I'm going to slap this name on my Whitey McWhite character. And you're not really thinking about, like, context, they don't right? don't have, like, a, like, Karen is so pale that, like, when she turns over her wrist at one point to Aubrey, you can see the the blue tracery of veins there. And I'm like, that is literally a thing. Blue bloods are a thing. Talking about white people being so, so pale. You can see the blue veins. Like, that is the fucking reason for it. Yeah. It's fucking racist. The racial dynamics of this series are not great. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. But I will say that having grown up on L.J. Smith, where everyone everyone, every vampire is a whitey McWhite super pale person that mm. even like even having, having anybody, anybody even antagonists is is like, well, at least you acknowledge that other countries exist. I don't like that you then decide that they're the villain. Yeah, I don't like that Fala gets the ever loving shit beat out of her constantly. Seriously. But I mean, there shouldn't be a but to but that thanks sentence. Thanks for noticing. I guess you cleared the bar of acknowledging the rest of the world, so good job. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of places will be like, oh, but see, vampires came from Europe, and so they only embraced white people. And it's like, do you understand that Europe's not just white people? Okay, okay. <sighs> Let's see what else. All right. Um, so then we start switching back to like, so the first chapter is Jessica, but then the second chapter is, is Karen. And mm -hmm. then we go like Karen and Jessica back and forth a little bit. And like, so she goes to the bookstore and she sees Aubrey and she gets told about Renegade by Elizabeth Charter, Ugh. who's like another fucking vampire book, but written by a vampire, supposedly. And Aubrey's like, yeah, we used to fight. It's all cool. No, okay, so Aubrey doesn't just say he fight. He talks about how he, like, slit her throat once. And I'm like, if I'm Jessica, and I'm talking- and I just met this dude. Great, and I've just met this dude, and I think he's human. And I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, <laughs> I think he's yeah, human. I slit the author's throat once. I'm like, you fucking nerd. What? Right? What? I've met guys like that. You psycho. Get away from me. Where they think that they're super cool because they're like, yeah, I do fucked up shit, man. Like, I just like, I just go out and I'll just like, <laughs> use my BB gun. I'll just like, shoot, whatever. <laughs> so, 
it's this and so much of the book just feels so try hard. Mm-hmm. Both of them are like, I'm, I'm very badass. I just murder things for no reason. That's pretty cool, She's right? She's cool. It's all good. I slit her throat. She can survive it. That, yeah. Like, so much of this book is very, like, 16-year-old edgelord. And I do love that when Opry reveals his true self, he does have that spiked dog collar and the tattoos. And I'm just like, oh, is that like the epitome of a badass vampire is a spiked dog collar and some tattoos? Yeah. It's adorable. Show me, show me Aubrey in a business suit and tell me that's like the epitome of badass vampire. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm going to believe you. Because I don't know what he's doing in a business suit in the middle of the woods. Yeah, it's very, it's very cute. It's, it's very Angel Buffy. If Buffy was, Even like, more so. Faith. It's Faith Angel. It's Faith Angel fanfic. <laughs> it's just a lot of those things, like, and that's part of what makes it feel so, so immature. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and again, we understand. Written by 15-year-old for 15-year-olds. I understand. We, we understand. I also thought the tattoos and dog collar and upside down cross were very rebellious. <laughs> I did. I love I love baby you. <laughs> baby V was super duper into this. Jessica was super cool and everybody else was super mean to Jessica for no reason and she always had those Sweet. super cool comebacks. Uh oh. yeah, no, Jessica was great. Listen, we were all 15 once. Jessica spoke to your dark black soul. Jessica did. I wanted to be cool and beautiful, but aloof and I mean that sounds snarky great. like Jessica. I don't need to be snarky. I just I guess I am snarky, but, <laughs> but not in like a cool way that people go, "Oh damn, you're cool." I'm like snarky and just like a I'm snarky to to drop the tension. I guess. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing: the problem with a lot of these characters and where you sort of cross that line when you're young and not super pretty is that pretty characters yeah, can get away with being bitches because they're super pretty. Listen, right? normal looking people, that shit don't can't, fly. Can't, no, you're just an asshole at that point. Yeah. And people are like, I guess I'm going to beat you up now. Yeah, exactly. Emma Frost can get away with things that I cannot for <laughs> very good reasons. Emma Frost can murder me in my sleep and <laughs> no one will be they'll be like, "Oh, I'm so I'm so happy for you. Emma Frost murdered you. That's so good." <laughs> like people tolerate bitchiness from beautiful people in in fiction, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, if you're a beautiful person in real life and you're a jackass, like... Then you're just a bitch. just be like, okay, I'm gonna not be friends. Bye-bye. Yeah, but, like, in fiction, you know, that sort of thing's appealing if you're attractive. If you're not attractive, it don't yeah. fly. Yeah. This is so much, uh... It's fantasy. It's power fantasy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. And nothing... Nothing wrong with power fantasy. However. <laughs> However. We're not here to say that's... That's the end of it. Well, no, because, I mean, power fantasy, sure, but you should not, I should not have idolized Jessica. Jessica's a jerk. Like, Rasika, way better at being a jerk. She's beautiful and aloof, and she hangs out with tigers. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of these is not hurting other people, you know? Like, Jessica's hurting people. That's, I think, the difference. Yeah, Jessica's hurting people. Like, Karen's just trying to be nice to poor Jessica. Okay, Karen is my favorite character in this book. Why? Because she's the only character with a fucking soul? 
Yes. She's just trying to do her job. She's been transferred to the school. Presumably, like, maybe she doesn't go to real school. I don't know. <laughs> she's come to the school to watch out for this poor author, figure out, you know, who she is and be like, okay, I gotta check in on you, see how you know things. You know, why are you publishing this shit? Are mm-hmm. you a witch? Are you a vampire? Are you a shapeshifter? This is dangerous shit that you've done. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to help. But, like, she's poorly realized in the way where she's like, ha ha ha, the locks work. Yeah. And Jessica being like, ooh, Karen thinks my inner child needs a friend. And it's like, she talked to you twice. And, like, right? she dropped it after the first one. And, like, she was, a pol- she was polite to you. She Sorry. was very good. And Jessica's just like, oh, if there's anybody I wouldn't want to talk to, it's Karen. And, like, there's no reason for this, Jessica. You're kind of obsessed over this <laughs> poor girl. Like, She's just a nice person, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, when Shannon, this girl that she doesn't even know, gets, like, Aubrey pulls her, like, look at me kind of thing. Like, pulls her out of this party and, like, is gonna feed on her and, and drain her dry. Karen's like, yo, fuck that. How about, mm, uh, uh, this is gonna be a problem, but why don't you drink from me yep. instead? Yeah, Karen, so, like, like she... go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that Karen, like, puts herself in harm's way constantly to protect other people yeah like she's a good person and that's so fucking rare in this series she goes way out of her way to help people who have been kind of just assholes to her so yeah because it's not even martyr ish it's just her really truly being like yo no that's not cool there i am stronger than them even though i'm like yeah, she's like a extreme doctor sort of thing, like do no harm, but it's also like don't let anybody else get harmed. Yeah, where it's like I would rather put myself in harm's way. Mm-hmm. And that's good. She's a fucking tank, basically. <laughs> yep, she's a cleric. Which is awesome. Uh, I think my favorite character might be Fala. I am intrigued by this because i think fala gets fucking shit end of the stick all the way through oh no she does she does for sure like fala like i feel so bad for fala she does not deserve the crap she gets she doesn't i just respect fala being very much like well a gay icon uh two she that's true she's a at least lesbian, if not bisexual or queer, uh, woman of color. Yeah, no, and explicit, which is kind of a big deal for uh, yeah. this area, particularly. But yeah, no, I just, I appreciate Fala <laughs> being, like, sick of Aubrey's shit, and, like, you <laughs> won't take care of this Fuck active you, threat to our community if you if want- you don't deal with this now, you've gotten to, like, I don't know, fucking sunrise. Right, deal and with- she- her just being like, do you, do you want to fuck her? Just change her, man. Just do something. It's fine. You know, this is how it goes. And Aubrey, you know, not being able to figure his shit out. And Fala just being like, oh, I'll take care of it. Like, I just enjoy Fala and her shit more than any other character. I wish she was written better. No, yeah, I wish absolutely. she was written better because she is given a... The short end of the stick, she's always just like, damn you humans, me. Uh, yeah, her dialogue's awful. Her dialogue is so bad. Like, everyone's dialogue is pretty terrible, but Fala makes me want to just be like, do we need you? Could you just not be here? Like, go somewhere else and get out of Aubrey's fucking, like, I don't know, do I like her? Do I not like her? What's about her? I don't understand. Just leave him alone. You don't need his shit. (laughs) Go elsewhere. Go hang out with your girlfriend that you clearly have. That we never see. But 
Like, like you said, I appreciate that she goes, this is an active threat. I'll take care of it. Okay. You want to take care of it? Fine. Here's a timeline. But like, there's so much in Fala that could have just been a fucking total badass instead of like her fucking sniveling dialogue and her like drawing out the conversation and being like, mm, I want to make you have pain. I love your pain. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. This is, yeah. This is bad. This is really bad. Fallon and Jessica's banter in the final fight is atrocious. Yeah. There's like some snark where, yeah, you like you said, she's like, I like your pain. Your pain makes me happy. It's called sadistic and I think it's a mental illness. <laughs> well, so are suicidal tendencies. Like, oh, I am literally mm. dying right now. Like, this mm. is killing me. Kill me, not her. Let's go. <laughs> where I feel like, Fala, you know what? You just need to go find yourself a club, man. <laughs> right? Go, go own a club. This is the thing. Like, Fala is... You can sense that she's powerful, but everyone around her, like, so these books deal with really powerful vampires. We never get to see the ones who are just kind of like normal middling, dealing with other middling vampires. Mm. And so Aubrey, who is like, I'm one of the most tough and badass vampires ever. And he's like, (laughs) she's so fucking weak. It's like, fuck you. You shouldn't be telling me that my ostensibly antagonist is weak and never going to possibly harm you. And there's one line, wait, there's one line, I wrote it down. On page 139, she's intelligent enough to fend Fala off for a minute or two. Okay, why do you think this? Right? Like, Fala should just be like... Snap, you're dead. Yeah, you're dead, you're done, I don't need to do this. I could go torture another human. You're an active threat. Goodbye! Like, what's what's Aubrey gonna do? He's not gonna kill me because I killed a human. Yeah, okay. So, like, one of the things that I appreciated about this series as a young person is that it very much deals with, I don't want to say politics, but just kind of politics. The politics of vampire politics and vampire power. But Mm -hmm. it is a really rigid and like almost Dragon Ball Z-esque structure where everybody talks about their power levels and like this person is quantifiably stronger than this other person. And You're like quantifiably weaker than this other person. Right. And we got, we got a little bit of that in, in The Forest of the Night where Rizika and Aubrey have their fight and Rizika discovers that she has more power than she realized and stuff like yeah. that. But like like you said, when we're talking about Fala and, and we're also talking about like this upper stratus of vampires where everybody is just super duper so powerful. powerful. But you have Fala, who's probably in, like, the upper 10% of vampires. Yeah. yeah. And she comes off as a weakling. Just because she's hanging out with 1% or Aubrey. Yeah, with, with Aubrey and, uh, you know, Jaeger and stuff, and other characters who are more powerful than her. Where, like, Fala is sort of defeated by Jessica. And know, it's just right? like, this is shitty. It is. It's super shitty. Jessica never should have gotten the drop on her. If you're going to have Fala be like, ooh, I super love to torture people, have her take her somewhere. Take her to her, like, secret hidden base somewhere in the fucking mountains that she made somewhere else and Aubrey follows them there. But, like, everything just takes place at the edge of a river and it's like... Yeah. And, and like, I feel like the final, like, kick in the face, especially in terms of Fala as, like, a woman of color, is that at the end of it, Aubrey goes to see Fala after, you know, the fight with Jessica and Jessica gets turned into a vampire, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. He goes to see Fala and they fight. 
And uh, she's like, yeah, I hope she died, blah, 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 or I'll, I'll finish the job, etc., etc." And Aubrey's like, well, you can't because she's a vampire now. Right, because she's like, well, she drew blood, so I've got claim. Right, because they've got weird laws that I guess the vampires obey. Who enforces those laws? But you have, so there was a line in there, too, that I noticed where it was like, Oh, if she had said, oh, she drew blood, eh, but no, she wouldn't have demeaned herself by admitting as much. Like Aubrey turned Jessica on a technicality. <laughs> right? Where he was like, well, I knew that she drew blood, but you didn't Super admit did. that she drew blood. Uh-huh. I feel like that was kind of a last minute thing where it's like, oh shit, I set up this rule where people who draw blood are not allowed to be hunted by other people. And I have to have this scene with Aubrey and Fala. Otherwise, Aubrey doesn't know how to find Jessica, which is weird. Aubrey just mm-hmm. sits in Fala's room until she comes back so that he can find Jessica. And Fala just tells him because she has a sense of self-preservation, I guess. I guess. But also, let's note that Dominique Vita uh, drew blood from Aubrey, which means literally no other vampire in that line can hunt Dominique anymore because she fucking cut him with a goddamn witch blade across his fucking stomach. Only if he chooses to call that chip in, apparently. Apparently. Like, I would have assumed that he could be like, oh, well, clearly you drew blood. But, like, I guess maybe he doesn't want to admit that she cut him, but, like... I just, it's weird. They choose it in the pettiest fucking times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, they, I saw the word illegal in that sentence where Aubrey's like, it would have been illegal for me to turn Jessica if Fala had conquered her pride. And I was like, who are the vampire cops, though? <laughs> like, who are going to come after you Jaeger for this? Jaeger would have been like, slap on the wrist. Like, who, yeah, who's like, in who charge forces here? I think you this. guys are. So, like, if you look at something like Vampire the Masquerade, where, like, they have vampire laws, those laws are enforced by, like, the prince, by the prince or the archons and, or the sheriff, yeah, And the you seneschal know. and the primogen. What? Yeah. Right? Like, who is enforcing these vampire blood laws? Or are these all just, like, a tenuous thing that all vampires just sort of agree to because it makes things less look, complicated? In which case... It's all just illusions. <laughs> it's all just moral constructs. And this is the best way of showing that. <laughs> I guess it's true. But I was just saying, if you have these laws and they just sort of all honor them, but mm. only when they choose to, because Jessica has a and line- And the vampire's word is terrible. Right? Like, they don't trust each other. And Jessica has a line where she's like, you're not allowed to kill humans in New Mayhem, but I don't think anybody would have minded if Fala made an right. exception for me, the writer. And I'm like, like what's well, then why bullshit? did they exist? Why do we right. have these laws? I need to know that there's, like, a fucking governor of New Mayhem who's just like, I stay here and you bring me your fucking problems. Right? Like, does Aubrey go on vampire trial? Like, what happens if he chooses to ignore these dumb vampire laws? I don't... Mm -hmm. So I respect that these books feel bigger than they are. They feel very comic booky in terms of wider world and stuff yes continuity it feels like there's more going on everybody clearly has their own manuscript somewhere clearly the, like the book will stop to oh, tell you that fucking at length. name dropping holy shit oh and once upon a time this thing happened and how many times can i mention that ke has burned down the three old times that's how many times because i fucking wrote it down <laughs> by the way there was a character named Kay, and she's like 
blood bonded to Jaeger, but he liked her and then didn't change her after the first vampire was like, you gotta deal with her or change her or something. And she burned down Mayhem 300 years ago, but somehow she's still around because she's blood bound to him. Blood bonding to, to Jaeger was her punishment, question mark? Like, okay, I, I, I guess there's a story there. But like, yeah, Kay- yes, We never learn it. Kay shows up three times in this book and mm-hmm. every time each individual character is like, yeah, Kay, she burned down new, new mayhem like 300 years ago. And I'm like, yes, you told me that the first time you fucking introduced yeah. her. I, I feel like that's how every character is. So like, if we ever saw Jessica again, it would be Jessica, the writer who wrote in, you know, Tiger yeah, Tiger. Yeah. Or Rasika, the vampire who bested Aubrey in a fight at Las Noches. Yeah, but we don't ever see Rasika again. Anyway. We do not. Um, But yeah, no, like, it feels like there's more going on here, and I appreciate that because... And that's good. Yeah, like, I found that really interesting as a kid, being like, I want to read this person's story. Right, but we don't. We, yeah, you we don't. get it. You don't get it anything else don't get them. fuck no, you um so yeah i appreciate that it feels like there's more going on here but also you you look at that like vampire laws illegal blah 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 and then you're just like all right but i need more information <laughs> like who's <laughs> who's on, enforcing that right like if this is important that should have been the prologue <laughs> like does does see it or set, or however the fuck you pronounce that name. I used to pronounce it Siete, but apparently it's set. S-I-E-T-E is Siete. Siete. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, does he come down to fucking New Mayhem and, like... I think so. It's spank everybody There's... who's bad? I don't... No, no, no. Uh, Fala did say that he had them babysitting Jessica's mother, so yeah. apparently he exerts some kind of influence. But where are you and what are you doing with your own life? Yeah, I... If not here, then where? Why is Siet fucking with humans in the first place? That's my question. Right? With this, like, fucking 25-year-old woman who's got a marriage. Like, married woman you, who's otherwise unremarkable. Like, how did she meet Siet? Yeah, that was the one thing. All right, so we're getting away from New Mayhem. Sorry, we're mom. skipping. Right, so Jessica's... No, it's fine. Jessica's mom is super unremarkable. She's just like, she got proposed to on a beach and she vacationed on her honeymoon in France. And she also and just like, happens to know the first fucking vampire somehow. Right? Like, what did you do to get his attention? You can't just be pretty. Yeah, I know. I know. That seems to be the solution to a lot of this stuff. Like, I'm just pretty. Sorry. Well, and even when Fala is like, Aubrey, you're attracted to her, aren't you? It's like, is that what you jumped to? Like, I would assume you'd be like, what's up with her? Is she interesting? She knows a lot of shit about us. Are you thinking about changing her? Because I'm not cool with that. I don't want anybody knowing my shit in their fucking vampire immortal head. Don't you dare. (laughs) Yeah, I do feel like there's a lot of times where characters jump to conclusions. And the only reason that they jump to those conclusions is because it's the correct conclusion. Uh, I feel that a lot. There are a lot of jumps that Jessica made. I can't remember any specifically where it was like, but that was probably not the first thing you would think of, but, yeah. you know, yeah. this is the but book. But you, you went there. So. Yeah. Like, this is an instance where I feel like that whole Lila Light is Rosika's mom thing would come into play, mm. where it's like, is Jaslyn a witch? Is that how she got Siet's attention? Right? Like, there's like, gotta what? be something. She's otherwise just a fucking human, and it's bullshit. Right? Like, I... 
So I guess the way that they introduced her relationship with Siet, where he's like, yeah, can I change you? And she says no. And he's like, okay. Mm. Where it what just, if I ask enough times? <laughs> where it just feels like he's a friend of her dad's or something. <laughs> like they just yeah. see each other at hey, social kiddo, functions. You want to get embraced? You want to be a vampire for the rest of your life? No, thanks, Mr. Sid. That's cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey there, kiddo, you're like, what? 20 now? You want to be a vampire? No, I'm going to college. All right, you have a good one. Right. Hey, kiddo, your husband just died. You want to be a vampire? Okay. Did you have something to do with that set? Because I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> she doesn't even jump to that. Like, if no. I was him, I would have been like, all right, so the problem seems to be she's happy. I can take care of that. Kill the husband. That's cool. Cut the fucking brakes. I don't know. What a drunk driver. Human, you've had too much to drink. You want to get in a car right now. Like, I am so much more interested in the story of how Jaslyn platonically knew the first mm-hmm. fucking vampire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was definitely born in, like, the late 30s, early 40s. Was she? Her husband yeah, died in 70. Her husband died in 60. Carl Reza. Like, her husband's name is Carl. <laughs> I'm just like... I know people named Carl, but still, like, your name is Jaslyn. Uh, your name is Jaslyn, and your husband's name is Carl. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Uh, just past Valentine's Day, 1983, Jaslyn visited Carl's grave for the first time since his funeral. She brushed off the thin layer of snow and read the stone for the first time. Carl Reza, 1932 to 1960. Wow. So I guess she could have been born anytime in the 30s. Yeah. She was 25 when she... All right, so she was 25 and she was changed in 60. Then she was born in 35? That is... Yeah, you know what? You're right. I want to read that flapper vampire novel. Thank you. Right? Give me Jaslyn. So she's probably... She's like a teenager in the late 40s, right? Maybe she met him at a fucking cool jazzy bar. Like... (laughs) And then all through the 50s, he's like, you want to be a vampire? You want to be a vampire? You want to be a vampire? And then she's married, and then Carl dies, and she's pregnant. And she's like, fuck, my life is terrible. I don't want to be a single mom in the 60s, which is just out of the 50s. That's fair. Like, I always just imagine her in the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, same. Same, same, same. I forget that she had, like, 23 years as a vampire. Yeah. But yeah, like... How do you know this this fucking immortal vampire? Right? It's not just any vampire. It's the first one. It's a big deal. How do you get his attention? But also, I do like the idea that the first vampire is just out there fucking trolling for pussy. Pussy, like, dick, anything. He's cool. Living his best life, hitting on 25-year-olds for a long time. One of these 25-year-olds will be cool, and then I'll be like, won't be a vampire? <laughs> right? that's the thing it's not like he was like some dude who was like oh Jaslyn you're so beautiful please marry me whoops I'm a vampire <laughs> whoops it was whoops, he I'm always asked he always asked about her becoming a vampire which means he knew her for a time before he revealed he's a vampire right? and he knew her for a time after that where she knew he was a vampire <laughs> and she didn't run away screaming she wasn't she wasn't like, I gotta go. It's <laughs> like, what What life do you two have? I want to know about this. I've had so much absinthe at this jazz bar. <laughs> I thought that you grew fangs. 
I'm a vampire. I gotta go. Right. And listen, there's also like this line, and I don't know if it comes from Jessica or if it comes from Jaslyn, but this line where where she's like, he asked her to become a vampire. He changed two people against their will and it didn't right. go well. So that's why he doesn't like, change Jaslyn against her will. And yeah. I'm like, Jaslyn, do you know this? Did he get drunk? Did he tell once you? And this tell shit? you? Was he like, in the past when people said no, I I said, fuck that. I'm making you a vampire. But you I'm respecting your boundaries. I'm awesome. I mean, like, he says, you know, it went bad. So I assume, you know, like, they died or died. something, you know. They died. Like, okay, that's that's cool. I understand the, the dynamics of changing matter in this world. Yeah. That's interesting. How did you find I want to know who out? it was. I've, you could probably go on the website, the Wayback Machine website, and find out. Probably. I'm sure it's on that no. website. Okay, so random aside, Jessica walks into fucking Las Noches and goes, I recognize everyone here. And I really was expecting like a bunch of name drops to just be like, <laughs> so-and-so who had done this, so-and-so who had done that, so-and-so who had done that, and oh shit, Fal is at the bar. Like, that would have made more sense to me. This was an appropriate time to name drop people I'd never met before. <laughs> I do love that scene, though, because Jessica walks into the bar, is like, oh shit, I recognize this place. Fal is like, bitch, get out, and Jessica walks out. <laughs> In my world. <laughs> and she's just like, I'm respecting Aubrey's got a time limit on murdering your face. <laughs> I just like that she like opens the door, steps in, fellas like leave, and she's like, alright, and she leaves. Okay, and it's the go. most it's the most truncated fucking scene. We keep having these problems of like vampires as cats, and it's that same thing. <laughs> she walks into a back alley and there's a cat who's like fucking <sighs> cleaning herself, and she's like <laughs> she goes, Oh, I'm not a, I'm not a big cat. I gotta go. <laughs> it really is. The some of the scenes that take place are just so like abrupt, and yeah. I'm like, oh, everything's super short. Yeah, it it feels so jarring sometimes. Just the stuff like... with Dominique, I was just like, really? That's the scene. That's it. Oh, I thought it was longer. Oh yeah, the scene with Dominique where he like fights her. She was pointless, quite frankly. Yeah, he fights her, teleports her to the woods, and then runs away. <laughs> Yoink! That's because that's when Jessica gets kidnapped by Fala, and Aubrey gets back. He's and like, it was twenty minutes it's been later. Twenty and he was minutes. Like, that was like two pages. Minutes. Like, how did you survive for twenty minutes? Yeah, like the mechanics of the book are really transparent. Like, this happens so that Aubrey gets separated from Jessica, so that Fala yeah. can get Jessica, so that the climax can happen. When she could have just been like, "Oh, welcome to Lost Noches. I'm gonna teleport you to my fucking torture room." Zink. <laughs> Jessica or a Fala teleports her to her room at midnight, which she has, and bam, intro to book four. I'm selling her into your slave trade. Goodbye. That would be something. Yeah. At the at the eleventh hour we introduce an entire new line of vampires. Oh wait, we did. <laughs> The Aruns being like, but they're part vampire. And it's like, why are you telling me about these fucking witches at the 11th hour? I don't care. I'm so mad about that. So she talks about the Aruns, the different lines of vampires. And so much of this book is digression. It's just 
so bad in that way where you're just like, I don't care. Get back to your plot. Where you're like, yeah, this has nothing to do with what's happening. This is just Jessica. Yeah, this is world building. And I guess if you're going to do that. And there was a good, but there was a good way to do it if it was Jessica being like, I remember them from the blah, blah, blah book. Right. And being like, this happened here. Da, 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 da. They had, there was like a really good plot device in the main character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that could have allowed for all of this instead of what, what did happen where it's like Karen thinking about it Aubrey thinking about it Jessica thinking about it yeah no like I if you're gonna do this Jessica would be the place (laughs) well and then her her dialogue and her uh internal monologues and whatnot would be more consistently just hers oh yeah as opposed to everyone sounding the same all right so back to this book let me go back to my notes here okay let's see um so first off not a bigger thing but Aubrey is in a tree and like in all the whole damn forest like she went for a fucking walk and he finds you and is hanging out in the tree. Like, that's fucking creepy, Jessica. Yeah, Aubrey's level of stockitude is pretty creepy. Like, if it was, I'm gonna go hang out in my backyard where there's this nice tree that I like to hang out in, that's still creepy because it means he knows where your house is, but it would be less creepy than in the whole forest. <laughs> the whole forest this guy that you think is human found the one tree that you were in and you've already asked are you stalking me probably twice already actually yeah once in the hallway once at the bookstore and now he's in your goddamn tree (laughs) in the middle of the forest in the night and you're just like how'd you get up here yeah, and I do, again, I do love that Aubrey has dispensed with all attempts to pretend to be a person. Like a human. Right? Are you stalking me? Off and on. How'd you get up here? <laughs> I flew. <laughs> He's like, look, I don't lie. I just... I don't care. This kind of forthright behavior is sort of what saves this from being... Like, listen, Aubrey's definitely stalking her. But, oh, hell yeah. But we know he is. Yeah, and it's not this... He does sort of kind of suss out in the end that he is in love with her, question mark. Don't know why. <laughs> I just appreciate the frankness with which Aubrey is like, well, I was gonna kill her. Now I think she's kind of hot. I don't know. I'm just kind of torn, you know? I'm not gonna Do pretend to be anything else, though. <laughs> right. And it's that sort of thing that keeps this from delving too much into a Twilight situation. Right, this is definitely not Edward and Bella. Right. Like, I definitely feel like this buys into its bullshit a lot. Mm-hmm. But it does not buy into its bullshit as much as <laughs> Twilight. Like, this is not an epic love story. This is just a story of yeah. two assholes who, like, oh, get to right. fucking. They're such... They're really good at being assholes together. Like, I think they're perfect for each other. Yep. They're just both kind of DTF. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But she's also 17. Well, well, well. She's definitely 17. Okay. She has no birthday in the middle. She is younger than Vivian. (laughs) Side note, though, I do feel weird about Aubrey in high school. I understand Uh that he is meant to look very young. But after Aubrey in in the Force of the The Night... Where I was picturing like a 25 year old. Yes, the idea of that guy going to high school and passing for a 17 year old is just, it feels very adult man. Right? You're like, hello, we've hired Chris Hemsworth to play a 15 year old. <laughs> yes. Hello, Jessica. I'm Chris Hemsworth. Absolutely. 
speaking of ages, so like I assumed Karen was roughly her age, like, mm-hmm. you know, like probably 17, 18. But she mentions towards the very end. So I really needed Monica Smoke to be mentioned earlier, like, yeah, for Karen. For I any kind of foreshadowing. Anything. Because Forrest is really good at foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I am routinely surprised at how good at foreshadowing Forrest is. Mm-hmm. And how bad demon in my view is at it. <laughs> and um, Karen at one point mentions the very end, she's talking about like, oh, I feel, I guess, some sort of life force. It's it's not chi, like my mother says, and it's not just energy like Monica taught me. And I'm like, when? Monica died in probably February oh, or March of 1983. Yeah, that's how right. old are you? That's Jessica right was born at least, like, let's say that Jaslyn was, like, three months pregnant, and maybe she was born in, like, October, November of 83. That means that if Karen can remember her, she's at least, like, four or five when she dies? Maybe six? (laughs) No, you're totally right. Damn, So Karen's, like, in her mid-twenties. Wow. Yep. Like, I just, I hate being so constantly (laughs) worried about (laughs) timelines. But still. Because I always do this with books where I'm like, no, no, you said this happened that time. (laughs) Well, no, and yeah, like Karen acts like, uh, when with that line particularly, Karen acts like she grew up learning from Monica. And it's (laughs) like, no, she died when Jaslyn gave birth. What? Right. Also, how the fuck did that happen? Did she right, know when she, she went to the graveyard to find Jaslyn there? Like, Did Jaslyn say I was pregnant when I got, you know, all that? was? What was Monica doing there? What is Monica's motivation here? Is I want to know like, about Monica and I want to know about Jaslyn and I want Jaslyn's name to be something else. Like Marjorie <laughs> or something. <laughs> I like the idea of Monica as like, because they paint Monica as just being like really empathetic like Karen. Yeah, but yeah, totally like Karen. I am keen on the idea of Monica as more like a an evil scientist, where she's just like, <laughs> man, this vampire is pregnant, and I've never found one of those before. Let's see what fucking pops out of that uterus. Is it a vampire? Is it going to be, be a witch? Is it a human? If I bring it back with my magic, is it going to be a witch? Yes. Right? So meanwhile, we're just like, I don't know how Monica knows this. Because Jaslyn clearly wasn't like eight months pregnant. She just kind of knew she was pregnant. She'd gone and she had like tests back, which means she's probably within the first trimester. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, what's going on? I have a lot of questions. Oh, man. But yeah, like, so Aubrey looks like he's 25 and Karen is like 23 to 25 years old. Unless. Unless. Thank you. Karen has had... Monica in her life as a Yoda. At which point I want to know that. Yes. This is my <laughs> headcanon personally is that Karen has been learning from Force Ghost Monica and that's this why entire she's so time. much better at everything than her mother. Yes. That is what I've decided. <laughs> Right I mean, that's fine. I just want to see it. And I want her to be able to be like, oh, she's my forced ghost mom. Uh, <laughs> hey, auntie, what happened with Jaslyn Reza? Well, you want to know how I became a forced ghost? <laughs> that was how. That's how you do it. Oh, man. Also, one of the things that I liked about this dumb book is uh, the bartending system at Los Nojas. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot to write that is- down. <laughs> Just literally just grab something from behind the bar. Don't know what it is. Just drink it. Drink it. Free. 
You can just throw that shit anywhere. And Fala, it's so, it's so try hard. Fala drinks something out of this bar. She's like, mmm, that was mm, good. That was good. Anybody know what it is? And then she throws the bottle over her then- shoulder into the crowd. And someone gets up and brushes glass off their leg like it's no big deal. They're not mad. They just kind of stand up, brush it off, sit back down. And then, and then she takes the wine glass, finishes that, and tosses that too. <laughs> Just like you pieces of shit. That shit costs money, jackasses. You're all, they are, they're all My cats. Head My they are. My, they're like, what's this? Knock that off the table. <laughs> <laughs> My headcanon is that the place is Jaeger's. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just amused and doesn't give a shit. <laughs> right. He lets Fala do whatever she wants. He's like, it's fine. I have so many in the back. Oh, I just... I shut this place down at noon and the humans come in and they clean it up and we turn <laughs> off the ridiculous strobing red lights. Once again, visibility is near impossible. So Jessica walks in and I'm like, how you see anything, girl? <laughs> yeah. And I love that, like, ooh, the speakers are hidden up in the ceiling somewhere in the shadowy ceiling. I do like that Aubrey goes there and he's like, well, until she sees this for herself, she'll never understand. She'll never understand how cool my club is. <laughs> Two chapters later, Jessica's walking in. I, I was so surprised when she walked in because I was like, was that foreshadowing? I know, was right? I, I don't know. <laughs> Same. I just, I really was never sending her to be there. I'd quite forgotten. I just love the little touches that are just like, my vampires are badass. They don't throw things in the dishwasher or the sink (laughs) or back on the bar or in the trash. They throw them at bystanders. (laughs) Who's cleaning up after these fucking jerko cats? I'm going to just write a series and there's going to be no vampires. It's just going to be all fucking cat shapeshifters. Every (laughs) single supernatural is just cat shapeshifters. Different variations of cat shapeshifters. Just a cat pushing shit off the bar. You're like, "Mm, that drink was good. Knock, 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 knock. Chink. (laughs) I enjoy like the mental image of Fala drinking this and then being like, that was good. And then for the next like hour, they have a very serious discussion about what it could possibly have been. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, wait, what brand? How did is it this taste? a beer? Well, it was good beer. Who Was it a local brewery? Was it a person? Did it have grapefruit in it? Jacob, Jacob, here, here, smell this. Have you had this before? What is it? <laughs> He'd be like, mm, yes, that's gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> and at no point does anybody say, maybe we should fucking label it. I know. And Jessica's like, I'm sure I could figure out what water is. And I'm like, you mean they don't have fucking plastic bottles with fucking, like, Poland Springs on that shit? They don't have a like, sink. I mean, Jack, right? Aubrey produces a bottle of water at the end of that scene, so but it was there. I, but I imagine that it's in, like, a fucking glass bottle with a goddamn cork on it. <laughs> the way they talk about the bar and being like, everything's just in bottles and they're not labeled and you can drink it and you might die if you're human. <laughs> <laughs> This is my, this is my gritty world detail. They're all fucking Barbosa, except like he could in fact be poisoning you. (laughs) And the green bottle, one of those next. (laughs) It's poison. It is. Go for it. The whole system of these vampires is just so brutal and so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we don't really have to deal with these ones in particular. <laughs> Probably again. Yeah. Like, it's 
good that this is our last foray on them. We get uh, to try new vampires next time, and then new vampires after that. New Mayhem is a silly place. <laughs> it really is. And no, honestly, I don't think we ever go back to it. I can't remember. Maybe. I don't think I, so. I don't think we did. No. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, let's see what else are in my fucking notes, because it's good. All right. When Aubrey says, so after the whole tree incident, that's how we got here. When Aubrey says, you know, good night, Ash Knight, you know, sleep well, I'll most likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> uh, after he's walked her home, there is so much telling and absolutely zero showing of what should be a really huge thing. Like, this is a turning point in the story. This is what we've been leading up to for the first third of the book. Of her thinking about, fuck, my vampires might actually be real. Fuck, they might want to kill me because I have released a lot of information on them. Yeah. Uh, fuck, he's Aubrey and Tiger Tiger came out and I don't paint him in the best of lights. <laughs> this should be huge, but it's not. No, Jessica's adjustment is super anticlimactic. It really is and I'm super mad about it. All right, hold on, let's see. Ah, okay, all right, here we go. So it's page 76. Uh, go inside, Ash Knight, I'll speak to you another time. He walks away silently, not giving Jessica a chance to respond. Alright. By the time her mind had processed his words, he was out of sight. Her anger rose again for an instant, in reaction to the fact that yet another person had somehow discovered who Ash Knight was. However, the anger was quashed by a prospect that was intriguing yet frightening. If he was Aubrey and vampires did exist, and he and his kind knew who she was, dot dot dot, her life could end up being a great deal shorter than she had intended. That's it. That's all we get. That is huge. That is a huge fucking point of emotions. And we just get this kind of like, huh. Well, that's weird. How about that? Could be, be real. real. Huh. Hmm. Huh. Like, fuck you. <laughs> just, <yeah. laughs> Jesus. Fuck. Like, that is an important part. And like, again, the same thing where like, when uh, Hasana and Karen are just like, come on, come on, Jessica, just leave the body. Let's go. Let's get out of oh here. Oh my God. When Anne dies, and they're like, yep, yep, it's better, come with us. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. One, it's po- like it's ridiculous plot-wise, because mm-hmm. fuck you, no, that's not happening. But Jessica doesn't give us any emotions. There's nothing here. It's just kind of like, I'm mad because you killed her. Right? There's like some sort of line about Jessica being like, as she left behind the body of the only person who had ever cared for her. And I'm like, bitch, what? Yeah, like, the only interaction we've ever seen of you and this woman is you telling her that she's not your real mom. Yeah, right? Jessica refused at first to go anywhere with the Smoke family, but she gave in when they got her computer. Oh like, my god, the way she treats the witches is fucking terrible. Like, right? they take her in after her mom dies. And then Dominique is there and she's just like, I don't want to be hanging out with you guys if she can't be here because she kills all my friends. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, the fact that Jessica prioritizes the feelings of her fictional characters who mm-hmm. she discovers are real over the people physically around her who are helping Trying her to protect her with her mother's death. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's one point where Jessica's thinking about how Dominique knows I'd rather be a vampire than risk being their prey. Does she, though? How how does Dominique know that? How do you think that she could possibly know that? You just figured that out. That was one of the moments where I was just like, well, it's clear that every character is already in on the plot because that's the only way that Dominique could possibly make this assumption. And Dominique doesn't even make the assumption. Jessica, 
makes the assumption that Dominique has made this assumption. Right, and then she says it out loud, and Dominique's like, well, yep. Right, and Dominique's like, well, then you gotta make a fucking choice. And that is not, like, I got mad, I got so mad when I was reading this. <laughs> and it was like, so Dominique's like, lols, then fucking go. And she wouldn't be like this. Something, so she's the leader of the witches, right? Of the mm-hmm. vampire hunters. She should view this girl as a resource. Yes. She should be like, you're not going anywhere. Nope. You're staying here. Tired I don't to care that you want to be a vampire. Chair. You're going to sit down. You're going to fucking write. You're going to tell me everything I need to know. That's how you make Dominique a villain. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Otherwise, she's just this pointless thing. <laughs> like, there's literally no point for her being here. We could remove her and just have the Smoke family be there and have her be like, I really don't want to meet Dominique or the other witches, etc. They kill people, blah, blah, blah. I just need to go for a walk. I honestly forgot. I forgot that Dominique was in this book. So did Because I. she's inconsequential. And uh-huh. like... I only remembered that Karen was here. Yeah. There's like too much and not enough happening yeah. at once. Also, why is Dominique fucking going into the heart of the new vampire society by herself? Alone? Yep. And right? then picking on Kay, who's right? just You're a human fucking vampire. It made no sense. It's like you would have been there with a whole crew of people. Much more sense to have some random vampire hunter that Aubrey kills so we can remember that he's a killer mm-hmm. and a vampire and have Jessica see this and be like, I gotta go. <laughs> and, yeah. just like, and then she runs and Aubrey's gotta be like, why do I feel weird? Yeah, but that introduces moral com- like moral conflict into this book that clearly doesn't want any. <laughs> like I, Jessica I is never anything but on the vampire side. Never. Oh, totally. Not for a second. Not even for a moment. Like, oh god, I hate her so much. <laughs> I just hate her. And like, so another point of, of, of me being like, oh my god, Jessica with the fucking vampires, is how she just shits on Monica Smoke and Jasmine's sacrifice for her to live mm-hmm. by being like, yeah, I want to be a vampire. Fuck yeah, oh, let's yeah. go. It's like, fuck you, a woman fucking died so you could live. Fuck you. Well, like... Like, see, here's the thing. Like, I understand, like, you you write about vampires a lot. You you think vampires are cool. You're like, right. oh, shit. You've had a shitty life. Humans haven't been nice to You're you. a fangirl. You're a vampire fangirl. You want to be, like, all of your favorite characters. Like, I get it. But mm-hmm. that is fucking boring. It's boring, mm-hmm. and it makes you look like an asshole. Like... And you've got no one that you care about, so later on when you're, like... Don't come near anybody I care about. Don't hurt anyone I care about. I'm just sitting here going, who do yeah, I care about? nobody. FYI. No one. Um, but yeah, like, Jessica's willingness to become a vampire is just, there's no conflict there. The witches don't even make it a conflict. They're just like, all right, well, if that's how you feel, then there's the door. Instead of being like, no, you know too much. You gotta stay. Yeah, it's just, it does nothing. It doesn't do anything for Jessica's character. It just makes her less interesting. I, I really, I just needed her to have this front the way that, like, so Vivian in Blood and Chocolate would mm-hmm. have that front. Vivian's got this, like, hard, cool exterior front. She's emotional. She cares about shit. She mm-hmm. cares about people. She's trying to put up this front because, like, her dad died in a horrible fire and one of her, like, the boy she had a crush on, like, fucking made all of the trouble. And, like, now she's here and she's like, I don't even know how I feel about life. Like, she's got depth. Mm-hmm. Jessica is is no front. It's all just hard, cold exterior. Nobody's important. I don't like anything. I just want to be with my computer. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah, even after she's turned into a vampire, she's just like, well, 
gonna keep writing. Guess I'll fuck Don't Aubrey on the side. Like, that's it. That's all right? that's changed for me. I know. I like she doesn't need to have a mom and by the end of it she doesn't no <laughs> she doesn't go to school I mean again this is a power fantasy but yeah it's it's like one of the reasons why I would hate and I think it's a symptom of, of just like publishing your 15 year old power fantasy it's not good like I mean no. obviously it has its place obviously 12 year old me fucking loved this like whatever yeah but it doesn't hold up. The reason that, like, uh, Silver Kiss is good is because Annette Curtis Klaus looked at her 15-year-old fan fiction when she was 30 years old or whatever and was like, all right, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to do something with it. It is a cancer book with vampires. Yeah. The idea that this girl would just be mean to everybody, have her mother kind of conveniently killed so that there is right. no emotional She's not attachment. even in the hospital or anything like yeah and ugh, there's so much with Anne I would change like there's so much like how did Jessica even get published what did Anne have to do and mm-hmm. go through to, mm-hmm. to help her daughter get published like that's just completely glossed over like does she not doing signings because Anne's like yeah I'm not gonna push you for that I don't want you to have that we agree on something hooray like it's just it doesn't make any sense at all yeah She's done, Jessica has done everything in a vacuum, it feels like. She just arrived fully formed Mm -hmm. as the 17-year-old who has, like, a book out. There's a a moment towards the end where Jessica has this thing where she's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm staring death in the face and it doesn't matter because I would rather die than ever be prey or something. And it's just like, you're- Yeah, I had that as a note where it was just like, suddenly- uh, suddenly I Won't Be Prey became the fucking thesis of this book? When did that happen? <laughs> right, like, you're 17. You've not lived a life that you can be comfortable throwing away. <laughs> what are you talking right? about? You're 17. You don't know shit. You've been doing nothing. You don't talk to anybody. You should, in fact, be sitting here going, I don't want to fucking die. I haven't done anything. I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm 17. I feel like in an effort to try to make Jessica a badass... A lot of, like, interesting complexity and character has been sacrificed. Yeah. I would have super preferred a complex, interesting character. Right. (laughs) Over badassery. Right. Like, and I mean, you can, the thing is that you can also do Jessica as a person chasing being a vampire or running towards death. death. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. There are ways to make that interesting, but this just doesn't. Agreed. Agreed. Man, I've got a bunch of other notes and I don't even know if half of them are important. <laughs> right. Right. I've got stuff where I'm just like, yeah, that was a dumb line. Anyway. <laughs> uh, give me give me some of your ridiculous lines. Oh, so there's the scene with the in the church where they kill Anne. The vampire there is somebody that Jessica doesn't recognize. And she's like, oh, that's good. So that means he's lower power level. And I was like, first of all, fucking burn. (laughs) Second of all. I'm sorry. Who are you? I don't recognize you. I don't (laughs) recognize you. So that means you're nobody. Uh, nobody. Second of all, this one vampire is able to keep the entire congregation in thrall. So that they. Right. Right. These broken ass vampires. (laughs) But also, let's talk about the fact that Anne is so unimportant that she gets killed by someone who's so unimportant. <laughs> he doesn't even have a name. That he doesn't even get a name. I just, I wanted to have, 
you know, so-and-so, he kind of looked like such-and-such. Oh my god, what the hell was he doing here? Oh no, he's controlling the whole crowd. Like, no. Like, this is me going back to the whole, if Jessica had been the voice that went, fuck, that's so-and-so. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, they did blah, 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 blah. I wrote about them in this manuscript. You know, like, that would have been fun. (laughs) (laughs) But nope, nope, it's just some literal nameless lackey. Oh, perhaps my favorite line from Fala. Your death will be your death. Do you understand? What? Oh, no. It was during their banter. Your death will be your death? Damn you, human Fala spat. You aren't going to wake up. Your death will be your death. Do you understand? You are prey and always will be. Mortal, weak, prey. I do like the idea that Jessica is just continually impertinent and Fala's like, be scared of me! Be scared of me, <laughs> goddammit! Why not be scared? Dad. And Jessica commits completely to being a fucking snarky asshole. Right? She's like, this is how I want to die. Right right up to the Eat end. Dick. Just fucking <laughs> getting those digs in. Alright, so at the beginning of this here, Fala makes a comment. It makes no sense. She's talking about Jaslyn. Why would she assume Jessica, who's been adopted out and doesn't have, like, it clearly isn't hanging out with her mother. Why would she assume that she knows about her? There's not even a moment of ja- of her being like, oh, do you know about your real mother? Which, bullshit. Your birth mother? Like, no. She just launches into things being like, oh yeah, I assume by this point you figured it out. <laughs> right? I've read the manuscript. Right? Like, like, what's going on? Why are you assuming that Jessica knows about her? This should have been a thing that Fala thought she had up her sleeve. Especially if she was one of the goddamn midwives. Oh my god, why was Fala there? There's no need. And that Fala's whole thing about being pissed off about Jessica is that the set was like, don't kill the baby. And Jessica's like, oh my god, it all makes sense now. Fala hates being ordered around. Jessica, (gasps) it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense, Jessica. It makes zero sense. She's not harboring a fucking grudge because he told her not to eat a baby. (laughs) Does that also mean that Fala has known this whole time that Ash Knight was Jaslyn's baby? Yeah, And that's why she's had a hard-on for killing her instead of what was stated as her motivation? great to be like, Oh, hey, she's older now, and you can't stop me from eating her. (laughs) (laughs) And also, it would have been great if she was like, ugh, Jaslyn was such a pain in the ass. She got me into so much trouble. I had, you know, I I got hunted by these people because of her, because I was always having to watch out for her fucking white ass, getting in trouble. That was so last minute, too. The whole thing of her being like, ooh, Siet had us babysitting her. It's like... One, okay. why was she not with Siet? He fucking right? chased after no, this tail for he's, 20 he's years. Like a, he's like a turn him and leave him kind of guy, you know? <laughs> he's gonna, he's like, what's up? It's good. I've been asking you for years. Now I've done it. We're good. Have All right. Yeah, I've scratched that itch. Uh, Hey, like Moving 10th on. generation descendant. Keep an eye on her for me, will ya? Why would you do that? Like, what is that? I know, right? Like, it's bad. It's it's. Really I'm but so like confused. at least you would have had something of her being like I hated your mom. She got me in a lot of trouble. I'm I can't go back to friggin' China because of her. Like I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Budapest incident all on Jaslyn. Okay, did you not write about that? Did you not? <laughs> Do you not know about that? No, see, here's my other question. Jaslyn is alive. Oh yeah, yeah. Jaslyn yeah, is yeah, a human. Is. Why has Fallon not eaten Jaslyn yet? <laughs> I bet I that'd have been great if she was like 
So, uh, she turned into a human. I was told, don't eat the baby, but, like, I gave her five years, uh, (laughs) snack snack. I was like, mmm, Jasmine, you are a snack. This also, this also just further supports the idea that they're cats, uh, because <laughs> the Bala is denied her snack, and then she gets salty about it for 17 years. So she knocks shit off the counter. She's <laughs> like, I wanted to eat that baby. Oh, it was so little and tender, and it hadn't done anything terrible, and it had all your blood in it. <laughs> I want all of these in a situation where everybody just has to kind of tolerate each other without the dramatic speeches. Like, (laughs) give me a fucking story about Karen and Aubrey and Fala and Jessica all living in the same house as roommates and having to deal with each other, but they can't make the dramatic speeches about, like, human and child. Those words are banned. I just want a book about these four fucking cats living in the same house (laughs) and being mad at each other. And Karen's just like the nice little Hufflepuff cat (laughs) who's like, I'm going to sit in the sunshine. Do you want to play with this ball? Why are you so mean to me? (laughs) Hey, I wanted to eat too. Yeah, that's what I want. Like, at the end of In the Force of the Night, I was just like, Aubrey and Razika need to hate fuck. At the end of Demon Name of You, I'm just like, lock them all in the same room. Jaeger is like, hello, y'all need to be here. And Karen's like, uh, I'm a witch. Can I go home? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jaeger, the adult. He is. He's the only goddamn adult. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to get through my remaining notes because just in case it's anything you want to cut into things. Okay. All right, Aubrey's shirtless for the rest of the story. <laughs> the rest? I pictured him like Kylo Ren. <laughs> Tiny little head. Because <laughs> he's like, I couldn't even replace my shirt, you know, after the fight with Dominique. And I'm like, la 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 la, shirtless. <laughs> like, tit high pants. <laughs> and Jessica sees her, she's like, ah, put something <laughs> on. <laughs> she's like, nipples, though. <laughs> That's a little uh, fast in our relationship, buddy. It's It adds so much to never... those final scenes to picture him shirtless. <laughs> But it never gets mentioned again. He just doesn't nope. have a shirt. He doesn't slide in shirtless. And at one point, like, the two girls are passed out after, like, he's given her the blood and Karen's done her Healy things. And he just, like, takes the girls with him to his room, which I just imagine he just shirtless reaches over for Jessica, reaches over for Karen, both passed out and just zoops out of existence shirtless. Yep. I'm like, you are a ridiculous creature. <laughs> this book is ridiculous, but yeah. Which means he also shows up to ask Karen for help shirtless. <laughs> he shows but up in Fala's room to threaten her shirtless. shirtless. <laughs> okay, this should have been bigger than it was because like from for like the last 25 pages of the book, he has no shirt. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know it's it's meant to be like sexy, right? Like, oh, this dude's showing up shirtless. Except it's we not, don't mention it being sexy. It's not sexy. He just doesn't have a shirt. It's just like, why? Why do you why? not? Why could what? you not stop to do that? You waited for 20 minutes for Fala. Take one of her shirts. <laughs> Put a fucking jacket, dude. Like, you can literally... Vo- Wherever the fuck you want. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm denied the scene because 
it's just a paragraph where Aubrey asks Karen for help, and then it's been an hour of her working on Jessica. Uh I've been denied the scene of him (laughs) showing up. We just get told that he did, and it neglects the fact that she was like, I'm gonna cover my eyes because I don't need to see you half naked, oh, immortal vampire who is my mortal enemy. No, we don't see this beautiful scene. Like, I wanted, beyond him being shirtless and her having to deal with that, I really wanted to see him ask her for help and explain everything, because I wanted that. That's another moment for me that was mm-hmm. like, why are you just telling me? Why aren't you showing me? This is emotional. <laughs> right? Like, this is a big thing. Aubrey is asking a witch for help. For help. And she says, yes. Yeah. Like, this is a big deal book. You've made it seem like this should be a big deal. Right. This is, you've told me there are three protagonists and one of them is Karen. And that seems like a big fucking important thing for her. Also... Karen says that, like, when Jessica left the house yesterday, uh, my mom got really mad and called her a traitor to humankind. Nope, timeline, this is all the same day. Jessica walks out of the house to go for a walk and then runs into this incident and then is running away. This was, like, an hour ago. (laughs) So, like, Hasana decided real quickly, fuck her, she hates humans, fuck her. That's really out of character for Hasana. It is. Dominique should have said that. Dominique's the dick. All right, so this is this is uh, not in the book. This is a later book thing that I've got a confusion with. Why haven't we heard that, like, Karen has a vampiric aura taint in later stories? That is what it implies. Right? Like, you assume that because she's like, oh, shit, Midnight Smoke did this, I'm going to have this problem, too. Why didn't Jessica just become some new weird daywalker hybrid? She had enough vampire aura in her before this. I mean, that could have at least been interesting to be like, hello, I got, you know, attacked and then I had some vampire blood and some vampire energy and some witch energy healed me up. I'm something totally new and this will totally go with my special snowflake thing as opposed to just, I'm a super powerful vampire. You can tell as soon as I feed, I'm gonna be super fucking powerful. So fuck you, woman of color who killed me. If you come near anyone I love, hint that's nobody, I'm gonna be super fucking you up. Also, uh, so Jessica, the last two chapters are devoted to Karen healing Jessica and bringing her back from death, only for Jessica to be turned into a vampire. Uh-huh. Why did we do that? What kind of plot cul-de-sac just... bullshit was that? Why didn't we just turn her into a vampire in the first place? You knew that was an option, Aubrey. Yeah, I don't know why Aubrey didn't do that. Right? I think the three of them needed to be, like, perpetually connected to each other after this incident. That would have made this incident worth talking about. Because then Aubrey's connected to Karen, and he's connected to Jessica, and Jessica's some weird daywalker hybrid, and Karen's a witch with a vampiric aura taint, and he's just, like, connected to both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't change, he's just connected. But, like, his energy's gone through Karen. Is he now slightly opened to her? Like, what? what, what? Table flip. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. except to foster that connection, but it never comes back. So what the fuck? Well, no, okay. I don't remember Shattered Mirror perfectly. Does Karen actually get disowned? Is this why Karen goes to Circle Daybreak or Single Earth or whatever the (laughs) fuck it's called? Yeah, no, I think Karen does get disowned, but I don't know if she got totally disowned or if it was just like, I can't be near you. But there's no mention of her having a fucking vampire aura. Yeah, I don't understand why any of that happens (laughs) for her to be. I spent the last few chapters being like, 
Does Jessica get turned into a vampire in this book? Did I just misremember that? Did I remember that? Does she become a daywalker? No, she does. I'm a daywalker. I've been sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. My last large complaint. So all three of them should be connected now, right? Mm -hmm. Leading into this, Aubrey thinks, and this is hilarious to me, he didn't know if Karen, like what Karen would want her to, him to tell her mom. Uh Uh-huh. And I was cracking up. I'm like, la la la. I like that he's grateful, I guess, Mm -hmm. to not just dump her on the doorstep (laughs) because that seems more in keeping with him. So like, clearly he actually is, is grateful about this thing. But a thing that I goes again denied was a scene. So Jessica comes back from fucking off to New York in a in a sentence. And Karen <laughs> is gone. And again, you deny me this big emotional scene of the three of them and telling me if they're connected or not. Yeah. And instead, Karen is just gone. And you're going to make like she wasn't the tritagonist. <laughs> Den of Shadow's big brother. <laughs> Right? She's just gone. I had so many chapters. I needed one more chapter from her perspective of Aubrey shirtless showing up. (laughs) Hello, I need your help. For her to struggle with her moral implications of helping him. And I needed the three of them to stand around and Karen to be like, oh, I feel uncomfortable about the fact that you like just ran off and killed a dude. And I'm definitely connected to you. And now I've got a vampiric aura taint and my family's going to disown me, you assholes. Okay, you know what the problem is? Karen's not a protagonist. Karen is a plot device. Which is clearly made apparent here because she didn't get these amazing scenes I needed. Nope. Karen is not there to be a person. Karen is there to facilitate exposition and for some reason revive Jessica so that she can consent to being a vampire. Right? To be like, ooh, now you're more powerful. It's like, no, you're not more powerful because you consented. You're more powerful because you've got the fucking first vampire's blood flowing through your veins for 23 years. <laughs> she, Yeah, she was just basted a lot in it. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Stick a fork in her, she's done. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and also, we don't get this letter that Karen wrote, so she doesn't even get that send-off. That's... We get every fucking Jaslyn dream, but we don't get Karen's letter. <laughs> that passage is the last, like kicking the dick from Jessica <laughs> as to I am a shit piece of shit person. So she call it like maudlin or something? She, no, she calls it, I'm gonna fucking read it because she's such an asshole. So Karen has just gotten herself disowned maybe mm-hmm. subjected to some kind of vampiric taint mm-hmm. and all of this just to save Jessica's life, which she then promptly Worthless threw away to become a vampire. Asshole life. Karen passes out from the exertion is taken by a vampire who has every reason to murder her now Mm -hmm. uh, to her house. Jessica fucks off to New York City. They come back to find Karen's gone. And uh, Aubrey says, uh, Karen went home, but she left this letter for you. Jessica scanned Karen's letter, a long rambling maudlin farewell. She made a point to hide her own emotions as she silently said her goodbyes to the person who had probably been her last tie to the mortal world. A rambling, maudlin farewell. What a... Fuck off. Jesus Christ. This girl just saved your life. Seriously. Like, this is... And this is why I needed that to not exist. I needed the three of them to sit down and be like, so... What is this? (laughs) <laughs> what are we? Are we a polyamorous relationship? God, no, I don't want anything to do with you guys. But, like, ugh, we don't even get her fucking letter. That's how little yeah. this book cares about That's Karen. That's how little the book cares about Karen, even though she's a really good person, 
she is super important from like chapter one. She's just not around for the end nope. here. Just maudlin farewell. Bye, Karen. You were... Maudlin rambling farewell at her. Piss off, Karen. Bitch, how dare you care about me? So yeah, uh, what the fuck is with that ending? I feel like in that last one and a half page chapter, the two of them are super out of character. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that they say has nothing to do with anything that happened in the last book. The last 150 pages are just gone, and they're both just total assholes, where, like, Jessica's, yeah. like, all smiling wickedly, and, like, caressing her laptop, and he's like, do you really need that thing? And she's all, like, trying to look innocent, but underlying mischief showing through, and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Oh my god, no, you fucking hit the nail on the head. You know what the problem with this book is? Jessica Mm -hmm. doesn't have a fucking arc. No, she doesn't. She's the same fucking person from beginning to end. She's literally the same person. The same person who saw Karen introduce herself with a smile and told her to fuck off is the same person who sees Karen, who just saved her life, write her a thoughtful, heartfelt farewell letter and tosses it in the fucking trash. And basically throws it in the goddamn basement, right? And the the problem is that Jessica doesn't get an arc and the book doesn't think that she needs one. (laughs) Right? It's like, what we need is for her to not have any parents, be with a hot dude. And be a vampire. uh, The most powerful vampire, vampire. Where she can just, yeah, the most powerful vampire. And her be the most powerful vampire. And uh, she can just write all day. I mean, and this is the epitome of it being a power fantasy, is that Jessica, she, she's a jerk, but she has no arc. She The book doesn't think she needs an arc. She just gets everything that she wants, and mm-hmm. the book rewards her for being a jerk. Right? Nothing is even ever at risk, even her life, because she says she doesn't care. Yeah. So I'm never like, oh no, Jessica's gonna die. Jessica doesn't want to die. She's got so much to live for. She's got a second book. She's got a third book. <laughs> she got a signing to do on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like every that she's supposedly like nominally cares about is killed or she doesn't right. like them Goodbye. so the only yeah. person she cared about was her, her mother but we never saw that but she's dead now so who cares yeah, who cares <sighs> all right so that was demon in my view i give it an f minus minus yeah i again as i said at the start of the show i understand i liked it as a child i get it yeah. it does not hold up no it does not hold up would not recommend this one no absolutely not it's not the worst book we've ever read no but there's a real low bar (laughs) i'm excited to find better ones i think this is gonna be this is gonna be the worst one for a long time i think i i definitely think that the next few probably have a little more depth to them so agreed it's been a long time since i've read shattered mirror though i remember that being maybe my least favorite of the first four uh so i'm curious to revisit it and and meet nice group toreadors (laughs) <laughs> Even though these ones were also Toreadors. Well, but the other ones are explicit Toreadors. They're explicitly Toreadors. They're very artsy. All right. Well, that, that'll be excellent. And uh, 18 to go, right? <laughs> Book two. Keep trucking. All right. I am Ollie. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Olivia Hennis, H-E-N-N-I-S. And you can find uh, Backlist Podcast. So at Backlist Podcast. Follow us there on Twitter. And I'm Sina. You can find me on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. And you can also find us on uh, Patreon at Patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill. Join us there. We'll see you next time. 